0: So Dave and I have already recorded the episode where we talk up to the three chefs of Don't Cut the Basil, but we wanted to make sure that certain information got through to you. So, yeah. Dave, tell me a little bit about what you how you thought this interview went.
1: Well, it, w- it was great. I mean, they well, and I I think that's why we kind of have to do this because it felt like there was just so much information to take in. That we just kind of wanted to make sure that it was some of it was clear uh, because we I felt like, you know, we we would get to talking about this and then suddenly we would switch topics and suddenly we'd switch topics. And then we just want to make sure that like we didn't miss anything, basically. But yeah, they were super interesting and it was fun and lots of great stories. And it was just it was a great interview, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I agree.
0: So here here's some pertinent information about what you're about to hear on this episode of Cleveland Schwill don't cut the basil five generations of authentic Italian recipes was actually a number one bestseller in four different countries. Yeah. Yeah. The United States, Italy, Canada, and the United Kingdom, the real deal, the real deal. So it had a total of 34 bestseller categories and 12 number one placements. Yeah. Um, Dr. Mary Kovach is one of the, uh, chefs and we cover a lot of what she does in the episode. So I'm not going to go too in detail in in her background, but, um, Angela Siciliano is one of the other chefs and she wanted it to be known. All three of these chefs are career women. They all are doing all kinds of stuff. They're extremely busy on top of you know what they did with this book they have their own businesses yeah and and all that so angela she's a 200 hour yoga instructor she's uh ace certified group fitness instructor she owns adapted fitness and yoga plus llc and they actually provide adapted fitness classes for individuals with disabilities so, so She's cool. doing that. They have their own Instagram and Facebook page. If anybody wants to look up Adapted Fitness and Yoga Plus. And she's also a special education assistant at Westlake High School. So just the fact that we got five minutes of her time yeah. Yeah. is
1: phenomenal. These people right? would. Many hats, and you know what? Once you once now that we've spoken to them, you can see why they do so well in the things they do. They're super relatable, down yep. to earth, art, and they just do a really good job at the things that they do. And uh, it's just like I said, the, once you hear the stories that they're telling, you'll you'll see that they're the real deal. It's just a great episode. Yeah. And
0: and when you meet, if you ever get a chance to meet them in person, if you buy the book and there's an actual option where you can go pick it up in person, the same with the merchandise, if you ever meet them, they treat you like family. Like you meet these people and you just feel like you're one of their friends or family already
1: that's the narrative, like in the book. I mean, like the cookbook, it's all, it's, it's family, it's love. It's a, and, and you'll pick up on all of that. And that's why it is just super relatable, all the things that they talk about. Absolutely. And
0: Karina Siciliano, uh, she has been in the financial industry for over 23 years and she's a certified, um, PMP, which is a project management, uh, a project management certificate. So, you know, she's got everything going on. Uh, Dr. Mary Kovach has got everything going on and Angela's got everything going on, but they're still doing, you know, wine tastings and they're having, uh, you know, they're making this cookbook and they're putting their family recipes in there. I mean, wait well, till you hear all their little tips and everything too. This is, this is going to be eye opening. It really opened my eyes. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, the the more you say it, the more you realize we were lucky to get a little bit of their time and they actually gave us quite a bit of time. So we got really lucky and uh, I think it's going to be interesting. So give it a listen. It's going to be cool.
0: Absolutely. And with that being said, go ahead and open your ears and get your taste buds ready for Don't Cut the Basil." Yeah! Welcome back to Cleveland Schwill. We have a very special bunch of guests today. We have some Italian chefs who wrote their own cookbook called Don't Cut the Basil, and we're going to find out exactly why we shouldn't be cutting the basil. But before we do that, (laughs) we need to talk about what we're drinking. And I have with me my co-host, as always, Dave Hamilton. Dave, how are you? Hello,
1: cousin. Hello, Cleveland. I'm jacked. I'm jacked for this episode for some reason. Are, I know why you're you? jacked
0: because your mouth is already watering. My mouth I, is watering.
1: Dude, I, I'm ready. I, I'm ready to taste
0: some Italian food and, and I'm going to make it myself, which is probably ninety percent of the problem. But
1: my mouth is watering yeah, no. nonetheless. Brian, Brian. very few things in this world actually interest me. Food is one of those things. And uh, I am I am ready. I'm ready for this.
0: <laughs> We're gonna learn a lot, Dave, because if it's not heating up a hot dog in the microwave, I, I pretty much have a problem. So, yeah. uh, Dave, before we get started interviewing, what did you bring with you to drink?
1: Well, I, I thought this out. I thought this out. We're having chefs on yep. the show. I, I went water. I got to have a clean palate. I got to have a clean palate for this you episode. Do. You Just do. water for me, thanks.
2: Well, <laughs>
0: one of the things, you know, drinking some water, that's a good thing, because I went to a wine tasting over there, and you had to drink a little bit of water before you tasted the next wine. And one of the things I learned in their cookbook is, you actually should have a clean spoon before you taste the food each time because I never (laughs) thought of that. I always had all kinds of dirty stuff all over my spoons and I was tasting it. And uh, so that's good. You've got your water for a clean palate. Um, So let me talk about what I'm drinking and then we'll introduce the ladies one by one and they can talk about what they're drinking. And I actually, I'm a little, (laughs) I brought it I bought a beer and it's from Brewdog and it's an iron. It's from the band Iron Maiden and it's called Hellcat. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna try it for the first time. I have no idea what it. Is.
1: That sounds. I'll. I'll. i be honest. I mean, on name alone, it sounds disgusting. I'll be it, it, it. It's not that bad, actually. Well, and, all right. C- compare it to something though, because with the name, there's. It's not like you know, if, oh, there's if, great. If I had to say, okay. So
0: not an it's an IPA, but it's not an extremely hoppy IPA. And I would I would okay. also say if you just pictured like the most basic IPA you could ever taste, yeah. that's what you'd be drinking. Nothing special about it. I don't feel like Iron Maiden is playing a
1: concert in my mouth. It's well, a very well, basic well, IPA. Well like there for a second, I thought you were describing the band. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. We can edit that out. We can edit that no, out. No, no, that's, uh, that's good. That's
0: uh, good. We don't <laughs> edit anything on Cleveland's Swill. This is an edit-free zone. Okay, so let's talk about our chefs. Let's introduce our chefs. Let's start with Angela, who's a registered yoga teacher and also nice. owns Adapted Fitness Yoga Plus. Angela, thanks for being on Cleveland Schwell. What are you drinking? Oh, it's actually <laughs> Angela Siciliano. I should say your last name too. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, I just too. assumed everybody knew your last name. I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: Everyone
0: knows me, Brian. I know, gosh.
3: <laughs> I am drinking our family's homemade wine made with Montepulciano
0: juice. And that's what I'm drinking. And it's family. And, and they- they make the homemade wine, but Angela, you actually have those grapes, sh- or the family has the grapes shipped over from Italy, right?
3: They, we have the juice shipped over, yes.
0: The juice, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. from Tuscany, Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I picked up a little bit of that when I was <laughs> talking to people at the at the wine tasting. And the next guest we have is Karina Siciliano, and she's famous for her pepperoni roll. But, uh, and she Ooh. always makes it on special occasions. But what's amazing, also amazing about Karina is she runs marathons, but that wasn't good enough. She had to also run ultra marathons on top of it, just to make me feel even worse.
1: Oh so, my God. So, <laughs> Oh my <God. laughs> uh,
0: Karina, thanks for being on Cleveland Schwill. What are you drinking?
4: Hey, thanks Brian, appreciate being here. I'm also drinking our Monte Puccino homemade wine. Oh
1: yes I love it.
4: It's the best around.
0: Yes I believe it was very good. It was one of my favorites that I actually had at that wine tasting too. It was really like not a ton of aftertaste. I found out I really like a simple wine that's a red wine. I told Mary that when we were there and she started laughing at me because I thought I was all sophisticated and then I realized I just like a simple (laughs) (laughs) tap.
1: So. Well, so so wait a minute. So wait a minute. Just I need to chime in here. We're we're talking about like super ultra marathons. Is this what's happening? Because yep. you, uh, the, the, it must oh, be an amazing. 26
4: miles. Um, anything over twenty six miles is an ultra.
1: Anything yeah. over twenty six miles.
4: Yeah. Well, but I when I think about twenty
1: six miles in my head, that's way too far. That's <laughs> way too far to run. Dave
0: doesn't even like <laughs> to drive. If you told Dave. You have to drive 26 miles. You'd be like,
1: "No, forget it. That's too much." <laughs>
2: if
1: it if it's too far for me to drive after my low fuel light comes on, I'm not running. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just a general rule of thumb for me. Okay. Uh, but I can I commend you for doing that. That's amazing.
4: Thank you. Well, I got a lot to think about. Oh, <laughs> um,
1: and our last uh,
0: chef uh, is. Dr. Mary Kovach and she has her PhD from Miami University, an MBA from our very own Cleveland State. Um, She contributes to In the Limelight and Italy Limelight and she's owner of Chow Down Italian Cookies and a member of the Order of Sons and Daughters of Italy and does a Facebook series where you do interviews uh, with people uh, from, uh, I think they, they have to have, they live in the United States, but they have Italian heritage, right?
5: That's true.
0: It actually, um, since the cookbook was published, that became a TV show. So now it's it's televised in New York and 3.8 million people see it every Sunday morning. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, Mary, I can assure
5: you
2: of this. 3.8 million people are not going to hear this. But
1: um, <laughs> we're, we're working on it.
2: We're working
1: on it. Maybe, uh, maybe point eight, point 0.8 people might hear it. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> you never know.
0: I know, I know. You never know what happens over time. As long as it's on the internet, you know, it can always grow. But um, so basically the only thing you ladies haven't done is been to outer space that I know of. That's like <laughs> haven't done yet. Uh, but they're, they're, Maybe the future they, is bright. Yeah. I know. That's why I, want, I didn't even want to say it. Because <laughs> they'd be like, no, Brian, I have been to outer space. Didn't you read about it? I'm like, oh, boy, I'm just... <laughs> Uh But uh, Mary, I didn't get a chance. Are you also drinking the wine? Or what? Did, what did you bring to
1: drink? I am. I'm drinking our family's wine. Oh, great. Oh, I love That's it. That's awesome. Why, why, would, why, why would you not? How does that feel? How does that feel when someone's like, what are you drinking? You're like, just the stuff we make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, they, and always,
4: I, they always sell it for. I'm like, no, we don't sell it. We
1: just drink it. <laughs> yeah, and they don't sell it. And, and you
0: know what I thought was really interesting? He, uh, I think your father told me that he's. this is probably the 30th year they've done the wine. Like,
2: Absolutely. I
0: think he said 1992 was the first year he did uh, started making the wine so that he's like yeah well we we learned some things in the in that time and we've you know Definitely. tweaked some things here and there like I'm sure you have you know
4: yeah Brian our history goes back yeah. our great grandfather actually would always make homemade wine but you are correct that like my father and our uncles um, started actually doing their own version probably 30 years ago. Although it has been in our family for many, many, many years.
0: Yeah, because that's what he told me. He's like, yeah, the first time we did this was about, you know, in 92, about 30 years ago. So uh, that's him. So obviously, your family's been making it much longer. So that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. But let's get into the book, Um, Don't Cut the Basil, Five Generations of Authentic Italian Recipes. So, the the one thing I took away from this, and I want to get your take on it before we go any further, is that this book to me had an extreme theme of family and learning to cook from not measurements, but more like a look, taste, and smell. Um, How did you originally come up with the idea to even do this cookbook? And and then, um, you know, and and then what gave you the idea to do it a a family based?
5: So in 2018, my grandma passed away, and I hadn't seen my cousin in some time just because of the distance. They were the same, I lived in Cincinnati. And when they came to the, re- the funeral, we started to reconnect. They since invited me over for dinner. We were sharing recipes, drinking homemade wine, and the next thing you know, we started talking about possibly doing a cookbook. And then when 2020 hit the pandemic, that's when we kind of capitalized on the idea. And then from there, it just it grew and we were publishing by December
0: 3rd of 2020. Wow. So, not only is this theme of, about family, but really, you all were doing this type of cooking since you were very little with your grandparents. Uh, what does it mean to cook? by looking at something or tasting something or or just smelling it, What, what does that mean?
3: That means that we don't measure anything. And so it was a little difficult at first to put stuff into recipes, because when we were taught by our mothers and grandmothers, they just taught by doing. And when we would know anything was done, we would go and smell it. And then be like, see, they would, you know, can't see my hands, but like they're fluttering under my nose. Like you smell it, it smells ready. That means it's done. Um, and just by looking at it, you can just tell it's done by, I can tell when I make my sauce, if I have the, enough spices in there, just by the way it looks. I can tell if I have enough basil and oregano in it, just by the way it looks. Um, it's hard You're to- You
2: need to taste it. I don't
3: it. know any other way. So uh, it's very difficult for me. I don't personally follow recipes, other people's recipes. I might look at something and see a picture of something that looks interesting to me and then I just go make it. I I don't, I'm not like a real measuring person. So um, it was almost hard in a way to put stuff into actual recipes. Um, but that's why we kind of say in the book and it's very true, make make stuff your own. We, we were taught, you know, luckily the way our mothers did it our grandmothers did it and for some reason it comes out perfect every time we, we just know um, but yeah you just got to do it you just got to throw stuff in there handful here handful there you got to smell your stuff you got to look at it and after you do it enough times you know how to do it turns out perfect so, you
1: know, so so okay, so <laughs> No, so it doesn't necessarily have to taste the same every time, it just has to taste good every time.
5: Exactly. We we use the phrase quanto Yes. which is just enough. So if you like things that are heavier in salt, add more salt. If you don't like salt, don't add salt, right? So it's the flavors that you want, but these are the general ingredients.
4: Yes. And Brian, I'll tell you, sometimes <laughs> we play a little game when the three of us <laughs> go out to eat. Oh, we order something um, and God. then we taste it and we go, hmm, what do you think's in here? <laughs> hmm, do you taste this? Do you taste that? And we play the taste game because we're so used to just tasting stuff and understanding flavors. We can almost recreate a recipe and even in a restaurant just by we can understand the flavors.
0: I was going to ask you if you've even oh if, my you could, God, if you awesome. believe you could recreate the recipe just by tasting it. I uh, found Italian food. Yeah, <laughs>
3: mostly <laughs> Italian food. Yeah, let the okay, talk. Okay, about- so <laughs> I don't know how to make a schnitzel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so I have an artistic question, Ben. No. <laughs> All right. right, I have to ask you this. So so then as an artist to another artist, because I consider cooking to be an art. Right. And it's like so uh, you just said something really interesting to me. So you go to the restaurant and you sit down and you eat the dish and you try to break down what what's in this. You know what I mean? How did. okay? How was this prepared? I'm telling you right now. That's what musicians when musicians sit and listen to a song. It's like work to us. Because all you're hearing is like one flute or yeah, one thing. Yeah. Pi- and you're and you're yeah. just you're fixated on this one thing and you're like, Okay, what's this thing I'm tasting? I know it's this, I know it's that so yeah. I just think it's really funny how those yeah. those worlds collide a little bit, even yeah. though it's food and music, you know? Well, yeah. Absolutely.
3: the problem is is when we go out to Italian restaurants, which is not very often, but when we do, and then we just look at each other after we <laughs> we take a bite of stuff and we're like <laughs> You know, um, we we are definitely, we could be critics. I think that should be one of our ventures. We could definitely be Italian food critics. No question there, hundred percent.
0: Well, Very And, cool. and oh, I so think
2: cool. at least it would
0: lend some credibility to, to be a critic when you actually create your own dishes and you've cooked and stuff. I, I, I don't have as much uh, respect for critics that have never partake in the art itself you know because it's it's i don't know so you can be great critics because you've actually cooked italian food we were talking the other day about like critics that uh just talk about stuff and they've never made a movie but they critique a movie or they critique an <laughs> actor. they've never acted and it's like well i don't know you
1: know never played an <laughs> instrument. <laughs> you don't have to be good at cooking you just have to be good at eating well
0: you know there was another passage in the book that i wanted to segue into and it it keeps on this theme of family and it it said food was a way to connect people build memories express a lot of affection and then it said food is love Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and it resonated with me because we had on Uh, an artist and it kind of hit Dave because he said, my art is love. That is my gift to the world. That's what I do. I make it out of love, whether it's coming from a place of pain or if it's coming from a place of happiness or wherever my art is love. And it kind of resonated with me because I've always thought of food as an art. It's the art of taste, you know, and then they're talking about food being love and, and a lot of times, you know even in that book it states when someone came over it was custom to give them something to eat even if it was like the olive dip or something you yeah, know yeah. you're gonna you're gonna whip something up and that was you giving something expecting nothing in return and as a form of love and i thought that was great that it said that in the book it was like this is so true this links the whole art form of cooking to me so um I just wanted to you know talk about that briefly before we yeah, go That's really into that segment. Cool. Uh, but um, so why don't we go into actually some of the tips that were in the book and that kind of starts before the recipes and I wanted to get your take on these tips and if you want to include any tips I don't mention, uh, just to like be like, how did you not know these? Because we talked for like five minutes before we started this interview. And they were perplexed with the fact that of how ignorant Dave and I were. We're basically
2: like, <laughs> we're like
0: little babies <laughs> with pacifiers in our mouths. Like, oh my gosh. So,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's go. Well, the first tip, uh, and there's 15 tips in the beginning of the book for cooking. But the first tip that I took was using an eggshell to scoop out <laughs> another eggshell if you accidentally crack an eggshell in there. Tell, tell me how this works. I, I My mind is blown. I've always used my finger. What is wrong with me?
5: So egg likes egg, not your finger. So I bake uh, a ton of cookies and I'm always cracking eggs. And if I do get shell in there, it's faster to use an eggshell to scoop it out than it is fork or your finger or some other utensil.
0: It just it's- sticks right to it like the law
1: of attraction. <laughs> oh, that's no it's
0: just, it's just one more thing that rejects the eggshell when I go to try to scoop it out of the, out of the bowl. It, uh, it does just move all over the place. It's so I freaking know. annoying. I know. Um, so here's the next one that I was just blown away by. <laughs> Always start with cold
1: water before boiling. I, I, I was yeah, like, I, yeah. I, I have, have a huge problem. I have a huge problem with this. I have a huge problem with this. What well, <laughs> I have done this my whole life. Yeah. No, you are shaming me. This is every dish I've ever made. So why? Yeah. Why my, is my this macaroni
0: wrong? and cheese from Kraft every time? <laughs> came up. Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't think that'll be okay,
3: Brian. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to start real pasta noodles, and hot water. You always want to start with cold. And don't forget to salt your water. That is the only time you can get your pasta seasoning is to add salt into the water. It has to taste like ocean, ocean water.
0: So you want like a really briny
2: water. You
3: can't salt your pasta after you boil it, no. You have to put the salt in the water. Right when you fill up your pot with the cold water, you put your salt in. Give it a little taste.
0: taste like the ocean. You're good to go. Huh? You just you want to know why I'm quiet? Because my mind is blown.
2: It's going to take me. <laughs>
0: well, no. It's no, going to take wait, me wait, five people, minutes to so read people, the next
1: tip now. Because people I people have like, always said a pinch. People have always said a pinch of salt, and I've been oh, like, "Well, no, what will no, that no, do? No. That won't do anything." Oh, oh no. you're not going to taste a pinch. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's got to be like this a, a significant amount of salt,
0: right? The, the the Italian women are laughing at, at the Slovenian man who puts a pinch of salt in his water and trying to get it to get it uh, briny enough to eat. Yeah, you might want have- to <laughs> Oh boy. So okay, so the next tip so the next tip is gonna go right off of the cover of this book and it says never ever cut your basil. Well what 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 am I supposed to do with it then?
2: I'm you not tear, not tear
4: it. You tear it. Oh. Yeah. You got I mean, to tear like, I feel like that's like I just I think that's a staple I think in well I assumed in a lot of homes but like <laughs> you just tear it. You want that whole beautiful basil leaf in there but you never take a pair of scissors to those.
3: It's gonna come brown, it loses a little bit of flavor. Just tear it.
0: Tear it tear it. Okay. Is it okay to have big chunks of the basil or should we try to tear it fine? Does it matter?
4: No. Whatever you want. It depends on what you're making. Exactly. Quanto basta, like Mary said. (coughs)
0: Excuse me. Okay. Well, how about this? I live in America. Your tip is don't waste any food. I waste food all the time. What's wrong with that? Why should I not waste any food? What should I do with (laughs) it?
4: Oh, so I'm supposed to put it in the
0: recipe. I'm supposed to put it in the recipe.
4: You can freeze anything. <laughs>
0: okay. Use it or reuse. I like it. This this is one that they laughed at me for 5 minutes straight. When I when I brought it up before, they're like, "How did you not know through storing my pasta, but storing it with brown sugar. I didn't know to do that. I thought that you only use brown sugar
2: in,
4: uh, like desserts. Yeah. <laughs> right, so let's let's talk about that for a minute because um, you're absolutely right. Cause I, I just wanted to share this story real quick cause of what you just said. My girlfriend called me once, she goes, I had your cookbook. She goes, oh my God, how much brown sugar should I put in the pasta? And I said, what are you talking about? I said, no, I said you put Pasta in your brown sugar package. So like we do a lot of baking at Christmas, which calls for a lot of potentially brown sugar. And if you don't want, your brown sugar package to get rock hard, you put a couple of pasta noodles in there. (laughs) It'll never get hard. And she's like, oh, I go, don't put brown sugar in your pasta. (laughs) You put pasta in the brown sugar. The dry-
1: Yes. Oh. (laughs) Oh.
0: (laughs) That's what I had it the same way she did. I I was sitting there (laughs) making the same. Thing. dave don't laugh dave don't even
1: give me that face dave Damn. Yeah. yeah i can't believe
2: yeah.
1: it i did
0: I, I it's not as thought su- that.
1: it's not as surprising that you thought that let's let's face it it's not as surprising but but that stuff that's it does turn like a brick though that's a great tip because I, I, you know, I I make little just like weird barbecue sauces and stuff like that that have brown sugar in it, and it's like every, but you don't make them often. So when you go back for the brown sugar, it's always like a, just a, a stone in there.
4: That's right. You throw a couple of angel hair pasta in there, it'll never, do, it'll never get hard.
1: No way. Now, awesome.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> now I'm gonna ask this just because out of my own curiosity, because I live by myself with my son and. It's hard for me to go through my spices. Have you ever tried to put a piece of or like uh, a little bit of pasta in some other spices so they don't harden up? Do you think that would work or no? Is it just with is it just with the brown sugar?
3: When we're not <laughs> <adult> hardens.
5: <laughs> What's that, Meredith? That might be a
0: tip
3: though, Brian. You should keep your spices in the freezer. What? And then they never go bad.
0: So Do you I never, know how much I'm learning right now? I've never learned so
2: much. <laughs>
3: so listen, I have a large container of basil, you know, dry basil. I have a large container of dried oregano. Obviously, I use it often, but they're large containers. So I keep the lid on tight, and I keep them in the freezer. And they never, they never freeze. It doesn't get frozen ever. It just keeps it. I, I don't know what the hell it does, but it, I'm t- That's how I was taught. You always keep it in the freezer. You just, I pull it out when I make my sauce. I sprinkle it in my sauce and I put it right back in the freezer.
0: Do you understand that we are experiencing
1: gold knowledge right now? The gold <laughs> well, I can't. I can't. I can't do that. I can't put spices in my freezer. I've got to have room for chicken tenders that expired four months ago. Um, I have to have room for all kinds of things that are inedible at this point. So I'd know still- for me.
0: Dave's still got Rocket Pops from 2014's (laughs) July 4th party that he hasn't eaten. Sitting in the freezer. Okay. Well, let's talk about a few of these recipes. I'm I'm excited to move on to some of these recipes. And the first one I want to go over is Angela's pasta sauce. Now, why don't we just, I'm going to let you take it away. Angela's pasta sauce. Tell me a little bit of the story behind this and, and what we need to know about Angela's pasta sauce. All
3: right. So this is our five generation pasta sauce. This was the very first thing I was taught to make when I was about seven years old. So every single Sunday, um, well, not only did my grandmother's make their sauce since I was born, I knew no different every Sunday. We, right. You had pasta, you had homemade sauce, that was it. They were in the kitchens making the sauce but when i was about seven i specifically remember my mother bringing me in she had her apron tied above her chest as high, it would, as high as it would go she'd stand there with the wooden spoon and she would show me never measuring anything but she would show me what she was putting into the pot and that's how i learned and that's when i learned look taste and smell and um, the pasta sauce, it is so easy. It is so cheap to make. It makes a huge amount, um, freezeable in jars. It comes out perfect every single time. I know so many people that have bought our book, have made our sauce, and I can't say enough things about it. It is, it's the best. And I use it for pizzas too. When I make my homemade pizza and our homemade pizza dough, that's also in the book, um, I use my homemade sauce. Wow. Yes, and one tip that I like to say too that um, about this sauce particularly, it's only made with tomato paste and not canned tomato sauce. So it's strictly tomato paste. So you can leave it at that or you Hmm. can add a can, um, like I add a can of diced tomatoes. Sometimes I do crushed depending on my mood, but um, you can just do the paste and that's the base of the sauce. And that it's the best. Wow. Yeah. And and everybody's
0: always looking. You know, I always make the joke, and I think it's on some barbecue sauce somewhere, but I always (laughs) make the joke that the sauce sauce is the boss, because the sauce makes the meal in a lot of cases, you know? absolutely. If you don't have the sauce, it's, yeah. Brian, did you taste any of
3: the sauce at the wine tasting
4: party?
0: Did did I taste any sauce? Yeah. Oh uh, yes, I did. Now I, I had it. I, I. There was the meatballs that were in a sauce. Yeah. Um, those were my with, meatballs
3: with our sauce.
0: Was that was that Angela's pasta sauce with yeah, the meatballs? Yeah. Okay, those
2: were
3: <laughs> those
0: were meatballs. great. And I feel sorry for everybody that was sitting next to me because I ate them all and I didn't <laughs> care. <laughs> I didn't share one of them with anybody else. I was
1: completely selfish. I think it's. I think it's actually really cool. You said that that you use that sauce for a pizza sauce as well, and I, I wow. like for me that's really that makes it just like a, a cool versatile universal sauce It can just be used for anything.
3: And it's fabulous cold too, because a lot of times, believe it or not, um, we used to have cold pizza a lot. Oh yeah, especially Sicilian pizza. Oh yeah. Um, growing up. And you have it cold, and the sauce is just not just as good, if not sometimes better, right? The next day, and cold, especially on pizza. Yeah. The-
1: yeah. So I, I always would
0: refrigerate. Like the- you would refrigerate the pizza and then just eat it straight out of the refrigerator, or did you let yeah. it go up in the room
3: temperature? Yeah, yeah, right, just straight out of the fridge. Okay, that's that's
1: so cut- interesting.
3: Did you know that you have to cut your pizza with scissors?
1: No, what? I didn't know that. I didn't know. <laughs> now you're just making
0: shit that? up,
2: <laughs> Angela.
0: I haven't used scissors since
1: elementary school. No, course. no, Brian, Brian. <laughs> I, I, okay. They're just trying to see what we'll believe. <laughs> 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 they're, they're they're completely. Yeah.
5: yeah. 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 Don't don't get the ones in the.
1: Cran box. Yeah. Go get food scissors.
5: Grandma
1: use actual food
0: scissors. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, no, I didn't know to cut pizza with scissors. Oh yeah.
2: Yep. So,
0: so you, you don't. You probably don't know this, but at the end of every episode, Dave and I always say, "Hey, Dave, what did you learn on the end of this?" Or what did you <laughs> learn during this episode? And then he'll ask me, "Well, Brian, did you learn something?" And I don't even think we need to do that at the end of the episode today, Dave, because it's blatantly obvious I've known nothing. I've known absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. I'm learning but, everything. and I'm like, it's like day one of elementary school all over again. I'm learning my, my ABCs of cooking right now. That's what I'm learning. Yeah,
1: we just have to say, go back and re listen to the episode and yeah. just relearn it all. Um,
0: well, th- let me go into the next recipe then. And. This one is Mamacita's San Giuseppe pasta.
2: So mm. that was
0: another one that I kind of picked up on because it, it, can, it served cold and it's like something that you can kind of whip up. So does somebody want to talk about that?
5: Sure, so Mamacita is my mom. And again, we were in, on lockdown essentially in March of 2020 and it happened to be St. Joseph's Day, which is actually their grandmother's birthday. So we thought, let's make San Giuseppe pasta in honor of um, my Aunt Josie or their Noma Josie. And so from there, we we looked around, what do we have left in the cabinets, right? And this is how they did it in the Great Depression. What can we add to our pasta? And that's literally how we created it, you know, olives, tomato, and it, it, we just built it from there. So that's an original. Oh,
0: that's oh wow! Great too. And then you put a fun fact on there that, um, <laughs> uh, is it, Nona, is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay. I wanted to make sure I did it because we have our own pronunciations and, and uh, Nona Josie was born on Saint Joseph's Day and named Giuseppe in
1: honor of this feast day. So that's really cool. That's a that, really cool little That is awesome. Back. I, I love and Brian, I have to I just have to say this because like I just I actually gotta chill up my spine just a little bit. This this whole thing's like been about family. You know what I mean? Yes, like absolutely you know? And so you're sitting there talking about how this dish came about in the Great Depression and that it was just like, what can we add to the pasta? What can we add to the pasta? Brian and I have had this conversation before where it feels like all of our family dishes, which are basically just hillbilly dishes. <laughs> but we always said, we always said they feel like our family members were just trying to deal with whatever they had. And I used to make the joke that when you used to, walk into my grandmother's house and open the refrigerator, it was a little bit like opening the refrigerator in the science lab in the high school. You didn't really know what was gonna be in each container. Uh, You know, there could be an organ in there, there could be a like anything, but they just had to learn to use what they could use. You know, and it's just, I love how these family things push down. It just happens to be the ingredients your family had access to ended up being this delicious dish that you have now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It. You know what is interesting about
0: this? I think, I don't know if everybody does, but even in our family, like Dave jokes about the hillbilly thing, but like how many of your family memories are just tied to food? I can walk in somewhere, (laughs) smell something, and it just takes me right back. Or we recently did a Thanksgiving and, and our grandparents and our parents have been gone for, you know, well over 20 years. And, uh, the cousins have even though there was no recipes written down sound familiar they've tried to recreate all the old dishes and when we went to to eat the thanksgiving meal this year was the first year i really felt like i was back in like uh you know 30 years ago eating a thanksgiving dinner and i was just like floored with the taste the smells everything oh, was right good.
1: The, the funny thing about it the funny thing about it was the one and i i can't remember who i was talking to but there was one dish in particular and i keep going back to it in my mind it was the green beans <laughs> Whoever made the green beans nailed Mama's green beans so hard that I kept on staring at the plate and trying to pretend that I was back there. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, like, in, like in those days, because because the taste was hitting me like that. You know what I mean? And it was like, wow, that's not something I've tasted since those days. So, I, it, the green beans particular for me this year. <laughs>
0: well, well I'm, I'm gonna let them laugh at us real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna fill you guys in on the secret of the green beans because. One time, we All of the kids loved the green beans so much. I'm going to tell you how, how you, you can get any kid to eat green beans. So our mama used to keep a grease can of, like, every bit of fat she ever dripped into anything.
2: The grossest, pork.
0: smelliest, greasiest thing you can ever imagine. So one day we were like, can you show us how to make these green beans? She cooked some bacon, but then just started pouring all that disgusting grease right into a thing. Cooked all the green beans in it. And and like everybody was so disgusted, but we still ate it because guess what? It was the best <laughs> things that we ever had had ever tried. So that's how you make oh, yeah. any kind of green beans just put a bunch of lard and fat from drippings and yep. everything
1: else. really it. be green beans Yep. <laughs> and yet that took you right back to your grandmother's kitchen,
2: your
4: grandmother's Thanksgiving. Yes, it
2: did. Yes,
0: it
4: did. Yes.
0: And so food is love. There it is. Food is love. You're absolutely right. That's the point um uh, well uh so we, we talked about a couple of the recipes but i wanted to move into some of the sides and one of the ones i kind of brought it up earlier but i did want to talk about it was Mama Cita's olive dip was one of the sides that i really liked the story behind so if you wanted to talk about it um, sure. so this was um an
5: original recipe for my grandmother And like you said, when somebody comes over, you have to offer them something to eat. I mean, that's—I would be offended. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't know how to. Like, if someone came to my house, I wouldn't know what else to do. Right. So you offer them something to eat. And so when you're in a pinch, this one has three ingredients. You can whip it up very quickly, and you just serve it with crackers, and it's a conversation starter and perfect. Perfect when you're in a jam, or if you just need a good side.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it. it
0: was like one of those little things too. You're just like, yeah, people are here. Let's whip this up. Fifteen minutes, good to go. More sour cream, the better. Just keep putting it in there. We're
2: gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so, so I feel like I feel like a narrative with a lot of these are are ease. Like these are these are nice, easy things. Like these aren't gonna be things you have to sit in the kitchen all day. But you know uh, what I mean? No. To to make them taste good.
5: We, we do have some of those recipes, um, like we have a stuffing recipe. My mom and I just made it. It was you know, six plus hours to do it, but made with love, of course. So worth the right. time. But we also have these quick ingredients that are just simple, easy to make, and still taste phenomenal.
0: Cool. Well, one of the things I did read, Angela, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but <laughs> didn't, I, didn't I read in, in the pasta thing, pasta could be – Ready in an hour, or it could take all day, depending on how you want to cook it, right? I mean,
3: the right, correct. And the meat for, for
0: the sauce, for I mean. the
3: sauce, yes. The main key you have to have it boil, it has to come to a boil. So, once it comes to a boil, then you turn it down low and let it simmer, and then you can eat it after an hour, or you can just leave it on low, you stir it, you know every few minutes, and you can let it go for four hours if you wanted to. But if if you're in a pinch and want to make a homemade pasta sauce for dinner guests quickly, you can have a full homemade pasta meal done in an hour.
0: Yeah, and I read that it's like about an hour would be the
1: shortest amount of time you should be trying to get that with
3: pasta. The key is to bring it to a boil first. It has to boil.
1: Okay, But it's honestly, it's honestly the kind of thing that just the once it's done, the longer you let it go, just the better, the better it is. It just depends on what you want to put
3: into it. Yeah, and you have the whole onion in there, which a lot of people find unique, but it was actually very, um, very traditional in the north of Italy, even though we're southern, you know, Sicilian. But um, it came from the north. I'd like to trace that somehow eventually um, to see where that came from, you know, down our line how we ended up with that, but the whole onion is what sits in the sauce. And it really does, the longer you keep, you know, you let it sit and simmer for hours, that flavor of that onion, you know, infuses in the whole pot, so.
0: Mm. See, I need to learn from the master. (laughs) If I'm I'm just like doing this in my own kitchen, I know I'm gonna mess up a million times.
2: I'm gonna be be cutting
0: my basil with my new, my new scissors that I have, you know, (laughs) messing everything up. Um, Yeah,
3: we expect you to make some stuff. Send us some pictures.
0: Oh, yeah. No, you're going to want to see the picture. (laughs) Have you ever seen the the Pin Interest where people, like, try to recreate what they see on Pin Interest (laughs) pictures? That's what you're going to see. No. I'm going (laughs) to do my very best. I'm going to do my very best. Like we said, food is art.
4: That'll be your own art.
0: Yes. Yes, it will. Uh, the, the other one that kind of caught my eye, and I think you had mentioned in the book that this was, uh, Mary, this was like one that really, you, you know, you're kind of known for was that watermelon caprizi. Uh, and it was inspired by, I believe, the same chef that does the foreword in the book. Ale, is it is it pronounced Ale Gambini?
5: Allie.
0: Allie,
2: thank you. <laughs> yeah,
5: so she's from Venice and I interviewed her on our her TV show and she was just phenomenal. Um, and she was gracious enough to write our foreword and so we wanted to kind of honor her in a, in a unique way. And so we got in the kitchen one day and Angela took the lead and next thing you know, we had this amazing watermelon crazy salad.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, I, I was—I've never had a watermelon caprese. I've had regular caprisis. I used to work at a place called The Donnas. It was an Italian restaurant. Oh, yeah, I remember that place, Leslie. Yeah, and uh, we—I had to make caprese salads. I apologize to all those out there who I had to make the caprese salad.
2: <laughs> no, I think
0: I think I did. I think I did okay. You know what? Though they actually. Made me put a balsamic drizzle over it when we were done. Is that is that normal or is that something oh, you? Yeah. you okay. can
4: Put balsamic on anything, did it? At the wine tasting, didn't you see the guy who says they put it over ice cream? Yeah. And we do have oh, that's over our that's
0: right. That's yeah. right. There was that whole thing. Now I had had a couple of glasses of wine by that point, but now that you mentioned it, <laughs> I remember them putting a little bit of that uh, and, and going around saying, Hey, they put it on the gelato and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Wow. Okay. I, I'm, I'm with that. And and Dave, it was, it was a, a real experience. I, I really enjoyed going to that wine tasting because I was trying all sorts of new things um, and it was just
1: really good and we can talk there about there is something, there is something really cool about like when you combine two foods that like seem really counterintuitive but they just blast off in your mouth. <laughs> I know. And you just like and it just like opens up a whole new world for you, you know? I love that. <laughs> well,
0: let's talk about Karina's famous pepperoni roll. <laughs> and it's on the cover of the book too. I I want to say. <laughs>
4: It is. Again, another one that's a party favorite that's three ingredients that are, is very simple. But I will say, you know, growing up, I just assumed everybody's mom made their friends pepperoni. <laughs> okay?
0: Because Isn't that crazy? Yeah.
4: Every birthday party, even though she would buy a pepper charm cake for me, <laughs> um, you know, at the pepper charm out place that was just on the corner that I could walk to and get, um, she did homemade pizza, which is in the book, and homemade pepperoni roll. And like Angie, with the sauce, I would stand next to my mom, and watch or make the pepperoni roll all the time. And so it was the one thing that I always made consistently anytime I was going anywhere and for any family function. And I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is the morning label disclosure. Once you start making this and taking it places, people <laughs> will expect it every time. Um, but it's it's fantastic. It, it really is one of my favorites. It's, it's, it's easy to make, it's quick. 30 minutes in the oven, and you've got this amazing meal.
0: That's great. Yeah, it, it's really cool. I, I, I know the one thing, it says in here it serves six, but obviously you can make it to serve however many people you need. You know, Absolutely.
4: I cut it in a lot of different slices. I mean, you know, again, it's look, taste, smell. It comes out different almost every time. Some of my rolls are longer, some of them are shorter. Sometimes I have more dough, some I have less dough. I mean, however it makes it easy for
1: you yeah yeah it's (laughs) consistently delicious
4: (laughs) it really is delicious brian i I know you tried it at the party
0: yes i did yes i did (laughs) i tried all sorts of things and it was absolutely delicious And that's why everybody hated
1: sitting next to me because I was eating everything. Wait, wait, wait! Can you dip? Can you dip the pepperoni roll in the Angela sauce? That's oh, what that's I need, that's need to know. That's what I need to know. Pasta yes. sauce. Yes,
0: you can do it. You can do it, but it comes with a warning label. that The taste <laughs> may actually be so
1: good you would die if you tried it. Like so you have to. No, I'm just kidding. There's well, a, just. just just so you know, from, from now on, the narrative is going to be I'm the first person that ever thought of dipping the pepperoni roll oh. into the Angelo's pasta sauce, and it's going to be Dave's dish. Now that's Dave's dish. <laughs> yeah, I
0: don't think so, man, I don't think so.
1: <laughs>
0: so what about Aunt Angie's Amaretto Sweet Potatoes?
3: Oh, yes, so I will talk about that. Um, so. Thanksgiving, my mom was in charge of making the sweet potatoes um, every year yeah. and she made sweet potatoes with amaretto in them. She made the recipe herself. She, um, now this, I was lucky enough. She actually wrote down on a note card and I was, I was lucky enough to find it. She passed in 2009. And I took over making the amaretto sweet potatoes because um, the year after she passed, we had Thanksgiving, no one made it, they were not there. And the family was like up in arms and where are the sweet potatoes? Where are the sweet potatoes? And I said, I'll do it. And I said, I found the card I have for writing with the recipe on it. Very blessed that she did leave that for us. Um, So I continue to make it every single year and again people that we know that have bought the book that have made the amaretto sweet potatoes absolutely love it it's a great twist um different flavors there's honey in it um so it's just extra sweets and it's actually not too sweet it's just a like different flavoring than putting you know traditional marshmallows and stuff on top none of that um yeah. <laughs> The <laughs> liqueur amaretto, not the flavoring.
0: Okay. Now, what a you know like, what a blessing to come across that that card or that recipe like that. Like, man, that is so,
1: That's wonderful that you were able to find that. It's and a that huge it responsibility because to... <laughs> people look at think, think about what you just said. The people show up to this event and suddenly yeah. that dish isn't there, and everyone's like, "What do we do?"
3: Right, right 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 yes so i'm in charge of that now which is which is totally fine it's great yeah. i lo- i enjoy it because again you know food is love and i think about her when i'm making it and the smells and everything it tastes exactly like hers so i'm always happy about that
1: Keeps her with you very cool um yes so
0: let me go- move on to the next the next one that we wanted to talk about, which was Mary's Bella Luna cookie. So now we're into some desserts. We're into some desserts and, you know, I love my desserts. I pretend like I don't. And then I guess as long as my kids don't finish their plate and I eat it, and then those (laughs) calories don't count, but go ahead.
5: So I I agree, these calories do not count.
0: Yes, that's right.
5: So the whole cookie idea for me, I, like we mentioned earlier, I have chow down Italian cookies, and that was started in honor of my grandma. So we believe she handmade more than a million biscotti cookies. Like, there's we're not that's not embellished. Like, that's easily easily a million. She made them for every funeral, birthday, graduation, Sunday, whatever. She was making hundreds every day, um, and so I carried on that tradition. We have her recipe in this book. But the bella luna is special because this is very similar to the idea of the dish with the great depression so my mom and i wanted something sweet we looked at what we had we saw a pie crust and some other ingredients we had we had some powdered sugar we thought you know what this sounds like a good good idea (laughs) we tasted it and it was heavenly and that's how the bella luna was born
0: wow you know these stories behind this stuff too i mean (laughs) the way you link this food with with the stories like it just adds so much more to to what you're eating it just makes it so special I, I love them uh, I love and and just so we know or just so the listeners know when you get the cookbook when you're reading a recipe you actually get these this, the story behind what you're eating or what you're about to make before you even make it like there's some of that history there there's where it came from there's that family linkage and it's just so cool. So they're not just telling us the stories behind these recipes. They're listed in the book as well. So this is really cool stuff. Um, Now when we move on to something that I did not know existed and I was laughed at again uh, which was Angela's cannoli dip. I just have always had regular cannolis. I didn't know there was cannoli dip.
3: (laughs) Well, the cannoli dip is another party favorite. And like you, most people, yeah, are shocked when we bring it places, but this evolved because what we have made our own cannoli shells before, and our own cannoli filling and filled the shells and all of that. Um, We love to do that because we've um, we've done pumpkin spice ones, different flavors, um, but it's very time consuming extraordinarily time-consuming to make shells. Yeah. So you better like be in for the long haul. It is a day and a lot of people don't have time. We don't have time. We're working women, yes. We have a lot of stuff going on, but you know, you want some cannolis to take to some somewhere homemade. So here comes our dip. Um, just about everything that's actually in our cannoli filling is in the dip, but much half the time, I would say to make it super quick, it's fabulous. You can make it a couple different ways. Um, in the book, I have the chocolate chips, but I believe also um, we mentioned if you want to put pistachioza on it, that's a you know very famous okay. at the end of the cannolis. Um, but I served mine with graham crackers. I've also served it with themselves and I've served it with um, crushed cannoli shells. Sometimes you can find them um, down at Bellucci's, uh, unfilled. And I've broken them apart and put those around my cannoli dip, and you can serve it that way. Um, But either way, the cannoli dip is fresh, tastes just like the filling. It is the filling. A little different, but um, yeah, it's fabulous. Did did you? Oh, I didn't make that for you. Well, you're going to have to make that.
0: I'm going to have to make it.
3: It's very simple. It's very quick, and it'll seem like it took you all day, and people will love it. It's great, it's great.
0: So in your opinion, Yes. You know, holidays coming up, everybody's getting together with all these people. Some of them they don't like, but a lot of them they do like. A lot of them they do like. How how many of these recipes fit right into, uh, so you can make this stuff for, for their families during the holidays? What would oh you God. say?
5: I mean, we have more than 25 recipes. I would say coming up at least 10 to 15 right off the bat. Yeah. Easily. Yeah.
3: Easily. Yeah.
0: But between the desserts and, the, and the, just the entrees and even the side dishes, people yeah. come forward. There's a
3: really bruschetta the ske- um, in there for this time of year. I don't know if you saw that with pomegranates. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great yeah. one for all. Christmas time, Christmas colors. It's delicious.
1: Okay. It all sounds so amazing. And 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 again, thank you so much for giving me an easier way to get a cannoli into my (laughs) mouth. Uh,
4: that
1: that's gonna be real helpful to me. You you Uh,
4: will not be disappointed.
1: No, I I (laughs) can guarantee I
4: can
2: guarantee
0: you will not be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I do want to bring up, with, with the whole family theme of this this cookbook, when you get to the end, there's a genealogy in the back. And I just wanted to ask, there are several, several pictures of the family, and, I, and it looks like going back generations. I'm not sure. I mean, I know it says great-grandparents, parents. Um, how did you – it's just amazing that you've been – found these pictures or have these pictures do you still have these pictures how did you come up with getting all this
5: stuff? we we have hundreds of pictures not thousands wow oh, that's
1: awesome wow that's great so lucky yeah
4: we are very lucky we, we have yeah. a couple that did our genealogy and it's all on ancestry and a lot of these photos sit on there um, and, and actually, now stores a lot of our family history. So, not that to be completely honest, we didn't necessarily need that for us because our grandparents lived extremely long lives. So they told us the history, and we've it's been embedded in us. But now it's nice to have it for us to pass down to other family members.
0: Yeah, I do remember reading, and I'm not sure which one. So my apologies, but I did, I do remember reading that. One of them passed away at ninety-six years young, right? I mean, so wow, that's just amazing. Uh, just all that information that they carried throughout the years, and all that knowledge and history—I just amazing to me. And just it, it really sounds cool like
1: that. It book. sounds like that's what the what the book is—is is more like a telling of your family history through recipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And when you read it, just really you do cool. get
0: that feel. And, and I'm going to say a lot of people, well, that will resonate with a lot of people, you know, that have had large families or remember their grandparents cooking or their great grandparents. I even remember my great grandparents, though they didn't work in the kitchen with, with my grandmother. Uh, but them being around and passing on their stories and, and things like that, it's just, it's such a cool family cookbook and just, you know that. It's just so different. You know, Mary, I think you, I remember you saying to me at the uh, at the wine tasting, you're, you know, so many people are like coming up to you like, well, exactly how much am I supposed to put in? And, and you're holding out your palm to me. And you're like, this much. This is how much you're supposed to put in, Brian. As much as in your palm. You know, you're just holding out your hand. And it's just like, I've never heard that before. So that was so cool. And I did want to hit on something else that was said in the book, and I thought it was a cool story. And I think it was with with you, Mary, that your, was it your grandmother that used to make you sing while you cooked?
5: Yes, that's a true story. So yeah, I, I used to think like, man, I must be a rock star. And she always wants to hear me sing. And so I'm like, what's next, grandma? And, you know, I, sing whatever song. And then later on in life, I learned that it was not to hear my beautiful voice. She knew that I was eating the ingredients. So,
0: <laughs> uh, so, so to keep you from eating the ingredients, you had you sing songs the entire time. Yeah.
2: That is so, oh, funny. Yeah. That's so
1: funny. Isn't that great, Dave? I love that. Well, you know, know you know what I thought? You, you know what I thought though, as a, as a singer, they always tell you when you're singing to smile, because the, when you're when you're like happy or at least those happy muscles always make it better. And I was thinking she wanted you to be singing because it makes you happy, and you cook better when you're happy.
5: Well, I was definitely happy, but I was eating the ingredients, so.
0: <laughs> and maybe it eating was the ingredients is what made you happy. That's probably what made you happy is eating those ingredients. <laughs> I would have been happy.
2: You know, oh boy.
5: If you're in a kitchen and you're a kid and you're smelling, that's how you're brought up. You smell, you taste, you look, and your eye height with the table. I mean, it's like a party in your mouth. I mean, oh yeah,
1: yeah, that that that's torturous. That's torturous for a kid. Yeah, it's the opposite
0: of Iron Maiden IPA. Um, (laughs) It's a party in your mouth. Uh, So let me ask you this. Uh, In the Cleveland area, because we know you're from Cleveland because you're on Cleveland Schwill, where would you go to buy some of these specific ingredients that you talk about in in the book? Like, where would you go to get your basil? Where would you go to get your olives or, or your olive
4: oil? So, Brian... Depends on what you're making, right? So I'll travel to a couple of different places. When I'm making my pepperoni roll, I have to have the dry, hard margarita pepperoni. Otherwise, the pepperoni roll just isn't the same. And you've got to trust me on that. So it's worth going to Gallucci's or Pragapane in North Olmstead to grab your margarita pepperoni. Um, there's times that I will either shred my own mozzarella or provolone. But if I don't want to, I'll also have blue cheese or ragapane, uh or d'Italia do that for me. Uh, it saves some extra steps. And of course, then I make my homemade dough. So that is something that I do in-house. Um, okay. I'm going to let them answer for other ingredients because there's so many different recipes. Yeah. You know, we, we grow our own basil. So, you know, that's
5: kind of a no brainer for us.
4: Yeah. yeah. As far as alas go, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And for I glue you're going yeah. to make the cannoli dip brian this is also oh, yes. really important Yes. Gallucci, first of all what makes or break the cannoli dip yeah. is the regatta yeah. so we don't have it in our cookbook but if you can homemade your own regatta that's obviously number one the best option to do and it's actually not that difficult um but if you would like to buy your regatta I would get it from Gallucci's because they have two different kinds. They have lasagna regatta or creamy regatta for cannoli. Nice. And you want Ooh. the regatta for cannoli for your cannoli dip because it is the most critical part of the ingredients for that dip. Okay.
1: So, so the advice here is don't. Don't cut corners on ingredients, (laughs) because you'll taste it. It
4: tastes really good. Don't cut corners and don't cut the basil.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And don't cut the basil, yes. Mary, you're absolutely right.
3: And don't
0: you dare cut the basil with some scissors, people. Don't do it. Don't do it.
3: Scissors for the pizza.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to ask this, and I know you said Gallucci's already, but... Is, is that where you go to get your olive oil? I know you said that that's where you go to get your olives. What about your olive oil? Oh, that's
5: a good question. It is a good question. In general, I buy organic. So that's okay. why I, I try to go there. Um, there is an organic at Costco that's a nice quick hit. Um, and their, their avocado oil is, is pretty good as well if you're using a lot of it. So obviously, you want to save your nicer, higher. Um, you're, you're more um, to price your ingredients for maybe a specialty dish, but if you're making yeah. a lot of something, a Costco Organic is fine.
0: Just for the record, I have Costco Organic olive oil in my cupboard right now. I made, <laughs> I made some pasta oh my with God. it yesterday. Yes, I'm I'm flexing hard right now. That's I'm what never I'm, gonna hear the end of this. I'm, I'm never flexing. gonna hear the end of this. Yeah, I, I know my ingredients. For for the record, I know my ingredients. So
3: we can also tell you how to make flavored um, olive oil, Brian and Dave. I make flavored flavors. olive
0: oil. First of all, that sounds <laughs> phenomenal. I never realized till I went to your wine tasting. Yeah. That I I thought olive oil. That's, it's just olive oil. What's the difference? Who cares? Right, right. What, what's everybody making a big deal about? Get out of my face. They, they had, they had this olive oil there. I would've pulled, I would've poured a full glass, a full <laughs> wine glass, this olive oil, Dave. I'm not even joking. I would've drank it. They would've said, how many calories is that? I would've smacked them for even bringing it
2: I would've drank the entire
0: thing. It was phenomenal. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know.
1: It probably might be a little, you know, it's pretty good for me, I guess. I don't know. I'm gonna have uh, to try this. I'm gonna I, now. I need to sample it because yeah. you're, I don't. I don't hear you get this excited about things very often. So I I'm, don't. Now, you know what, now I'm you're, intrigued.
0: I don't. You know, you feel like you're living this boring, mundane life, and all of a sudden, somebody, you feel like a kid when somebody introduces you to something you've never tried before. You're just you, like a child. You feel like you, you
1: you woke up in the Matrix. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, why does this taste so good? You've yeah. never used your taste buds before.
5: <laughs> Dave, you can flavor, like, you can nearly flavor almost anything. I make my own cherry whiskey. I make my own basil cello. So you can take, you can take things to a different level. That's right.
1: Yes. Oh my I gosh. like it. Live dangerous. Live dangerous.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, I know we talked about where to get some of the best Italian ingredients, but we do have to transition. There's some people out there, they say, hey, no matter what you tell me, I don't know how to cook. I don't even know how to turn my gas stove on. I'm not even going to do it. So they want to go out to eat. Now, Karina, where would you go to eat in Cleveland if you wanted to have Italian food? Mm
4: Mm-hmm. Well, full disclosure, I will say that i have not eaten at every single Italian restaurant listed in Cleveland. So full disclosure there. We're going to
1: add that aspirin. Of course.
4: Add that
1: (laughs) Yes, of course.
4: What I will say is, you know, I do get, I I actually get this question a lot. And the one restaurant that I enjoy tremendously is uh, Plazio on West Boulevard in Detroit. It's across from Cadell. Um, and chef Raffaele is the chef there. Um, and I know because, uh, a good friend of ours had a tour of the kitchen. and said it was one of the absolute cleanest kitchens he's ever seen. Um, but we all enjoyed a great Northern Italian meal there. And obviously we're Southern Italian. So, you know, it's a different, definitely a different, um, menu. Um, but it's, it's fantastic. Everything's fresh everything's homemade um and it's truly one of the most flavorful places i've been and so if i was going to choose eat out that would actually be my my first stop
0: that's cool that is like uh dynamite for information right there because you know it's hard everybody's always like, where am i going to go out to eat i don't know where to go nobody ever wants to pick a place now i know exactly where to pick uh, to try to pick a, a little place to try to get some Italian food that sounds pretty good. Angela, what what would you pick? Have you ever? Would you say Plazio too, or is there a place that you like?
3: No, I I would agree with my sister, a hundred percent. Yes. Okay.
1: I, okay. I, again, to honest, I, again, That's awesome. I, I, okay, I'm going now. Yeah. I, yeah. I
3: don't eat a lot of Italian food out. I I just don't because one, I'm very picky and it's just, it does disappoint. So, um, I would go to Palacios because- So I you're saying if there.
0: somebody came up to you and said, I've got the perfect idea, you and me, Olive Garden, Saturday.
2: <laughs> All
0: you can eat breadsticks. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna, you're, that's probably the last time you are gonna talk to that
1: person, isn't it? Yeah,
3: that's probably not gonna happen.
1: Okay. Sounds like somebody's I've never taken, taken the tour of Italy. Yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> I've taken
1: the tour. Okay. Only 18, and Mary, I an entire tour.
0: I'm not even going to ask Mary because I know she's been living the Cincinnati life for a while, so I'm not going to ask her uh, where she would go to eat out here.
3: But uh, yeah, that's right. Home. home.
0: At home, and that's actually that's a great answer. Yeah. Especially that considering you make everything at home, it sounds like it makes me kind of jealous. But that's good.
5: Well, it, the proof is it's so phenomenal. I usually arrive in <laughs> one size, and when I go home, <laughs> I, I essentially have two, oh, nearly two wardrobes, because it's when I'm in Cincinnati, which is probably about eight months of the year, that's my normal size, and then when I'm here, I just accept it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That would probably happen to me if I was like around the cooking. I was around at Thanksgiving, like for a couple months. It, it, I'd be yeah. It, it, there'd
1: be nothing I could do about it. It, 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 <laughs> it wouldn't matter. Pack, pack separate clothes. It wouldn't
0: matter <laughs> if I was running behind Karina at, at an ultra marathon. I'm going to gain some weight. It, it's, <laughs> it's oh
2: um, my god!
0: But with that being said, why don't we talk about? Y- you guys have quite a bit of merchandise, you have websites, you have Instagram. Mary, you have your own Instagram and pages. Uh, why don't we start with you, Karina? Where can we get some of this merchandise? What does the merchandise say? What type of merchandise do you have? And, and where can we find you guys?
4: Yeah, so if you're looking for some great gift ideas, um, we have some great V-neck t-shirts, crew neck t-shirts, um, sweatshirts, an amazing apron. Which I wear our apron all the time because if you're cooking in the kitchen, especially if you're cooking sauce, you have to have an apron because it splashes. I mean, it's just a natural thing. You're gonna get you're cutting things up. But um, we, you know, we stayed true to our tradition and and our cookbook and a lot of things that we were taught. So our our t-shirts and sweatshirts say, "Don't cut the basil." Um, cause you don't, you, you tear it and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then our apron says it smells ready. Because again, that's just one thing that, you know, we learned growing up. And I think that anybody, not even just Italians can resonate with, you smell the food in the kitchen and you're like, it smells ready and you're ready to eat dinner. So, um, yeah, check out com for any of our merchandise for sure. Aprons, sweatshirts, t-shirts, and, and, and would
2: you would you mind
0: oh, spelling that real quick? Would you mind spelling that real quick, just so if somebody wants to write it down, uh, just because that's a little different. It's it's Italian. It means cousins it, it, in the kitchen. I know that because I don't speak Italian. I asked, but go ahead, uh, go ahead, Tom. So, cucini and cucina means
5: cousins in the kitchen, and it's spelled C-U-G-I-N-E. And
0: then the word I N in Cucina C U C I N A dot com. Thank you, thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> and and you can also get the um, cookbook "Don't Cut the Basil" on there. Uh, five generations of authentic Italian recipes. And if you live locally, which hopefully most of you do, you can actually just um, opt to do a local pickup for the book. Yeah. It, is it the same thing for merchandise? I, I I'm asking because I actually don't
2: know.
4: It is absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So okay. if you're local for sure, we could absolutely deliver it to your mailbox or do a pickup.
0: Okay. Great. And and Mary, you have the Chow Down Italian cookies. Uh, it has its own Instagram, and actually, uh, you have your own Instagram too. And I don't know if we mentioned that. Uh, to follow you guys on Instagram. But you have Chow Down Italian Cookies. Um, Mm -hmm. And does that also have a website or how can we find you?
5: So Chow is C-I-A-O, like you would say in in Italy. So it's a play on words. So it's ChowDownItalianCookies.com and that's where you can go for merchandise. And it's just some travel mugs, and I think there's a wall clock and some t-shirts and some fun stuff.
0: Yeah, okay. That's great, and I love that. That's cool. Yeah, and you can also see Mary on YouTube because she does. Uh, well, you have a, another book. It's rocks. It's called. Isn't it called Rockstar Manager?
5: Yes, I, I have two other books: Rockstar Manager from Theory to Practice, and then I have Mindset: A Research-Based Application to Motivation, which was actually another number one bestseller.
0: <sighs> see, wow. this is what this is what I'm saying. There's nothing Mary hasn't done. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and actually Mary, didn't you just recently talk to Italian par- Parliament? You went over to Italy to talk to the Italian Parliament?
5: Uh, I wasn't was recently, but I was on uh, I Zoomed in for the Italian
1: Parliament. Uh, wow. I know. I know. Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, there yeah, that's that's great. Um. And I, I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for being on because this has been a great episode of Cleveland Schwill. Like, I, Dave, do you even want to talk about what you learned or is it just blatantly obvious
1: at this point that we knew nothing and we no, learned everything I, I, no, today? Well, we learned, we, learned, we learned everything, but I specifically learned that Don't Cut the Basil isn't just a title. It's a, it's a hard rule. Uh-huh uh and you actually have to live by that because it was being that every time it was mentioned it was like by the way don't actually cut the basil you know what i mean yeah. it's like this was serious yeah so yeah. The, i take the that. i took that with me just, uh, I, I i learned think. a ton
0: i learned a ton <laughs> I, I, you know what i think if i had to take what, what would be the number one thing <laughs> that i learned today is that probably the well, I really like the brown sugar with the pasta thing. You know, <laughs> I really like that one to keep it from getting all the
3: Not Maybe not so much angel hair, you might I use <laughs> angel hair <laughs> all the time. Just, I just make sure you dig it out before you use it. I do. I mean, <laughs> It doesn't matter which one I do. I shove <laughs> those sticks of angel hair in there all the time, honestly.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I just, I
0: Whatever gets the fun. job done. Yeah. No, and and, and so if I had to pick one, the biggest thing is when Angela was like, "Uh, Brian, are you cutting your pizza with scissors? Yeah, the the the, the cutting pizza
2: with scissors thing is definitely up there.
0: I I was at that point where I felt like I was so open-minded
1: at that point, my (laughs) brain just fell out. My brain just fell out. And I, act- the I floor actually floor thought they were mess- no. I-, I thought they were messing with us at that point, but now I trust them. <laughs> yeah, and I, know. I know they're just looking out for our best interests. I know they know
0: so much more than we do, and, and that's how foolish we are. Uh,
1: but with that being said,
0: I appreciate everybody uh, tuning into this edition of Cleveland Schwill, and with the holidays coming up i know you're all going to need to tolerate your relatives and to do that you're going to have to have a drink and to do and to have a drink i want you to have a drink on behalf of us at cleveland schwill and until next time